pray without ceasing. <laughs> pray without ceasing. Now that's quite the command. That is quite the instruction. Pray without ceasing. What is that? Is, is that an exaggeration? Is that delusion? What is this? How is it possible? Or is it even desirable to pray without ceasing? That's the question that's before us today. Pray without ceasing. That would mean 24, 7, 365. And if one holds to a popular understanding of prayer, well, that would mean no eating, no sleeping, no talking except to God, no working, and well, you can see the problem that's before us. So what in the world do we do with this? How do we go from seeing unceasing prayer as exhausting and impossible to life-giving, peaceful, and possible? How do we take to heart Paul's command here and our key practice of apprenticeship of unceasing prayer? How do we take that to heart and not let it crush us with some new legalism, some new burden? And that's our aim today, to see unceasing prayer not as a burden, but as the blessing it is. To see it not as some kind of distraction, but the way of truly living. And so our aim is to reimagine unceasing prayer and then to live in accordance with it, to inhabit this world as those who pray without ceasing. Now, today we're continuing along in our sermon series called Becoming Truly Human, a key kind of DNA series for us as we talk about what does it mean to be apprentices of Jesus. We use the word apprentice like the word disciple. They're, they're synonymous. So, an apprentice. An apprentice. And by the way, it doesn't matter if you are, are making clothing in a, in a remote village uh, on, on some island or if you are an electrician in Brooklyn. An apprentice is one who is in relationship with the master. They are united. They are in this relationship. And because of that, that apprentice now then spends their days with the master. They dwell with or abide with the master, being in conversation with them, watching, learning. And then that apprentice also obeys the master. They take the teaching that the master gives and they, they obey it. They translate it into their physical actions, into the way they live their life. And because of this union and abiding and obeying, they then are being conformed into the image of the master. They will now look like the master and do the things that that master has taught them to do. So this is our paradigm for apprenticeship. Union, abiding, obeying, and imaging. See, apprenticeship is the process of transformation that makes an apprentice into the image of their master. Now, this is the paradigm, this is the framework. But how does this happen at the daily level? At the daily level, how does this happen? How does one abide and how does one obey? Well, this is where the practices come in. This is how this is lived out. We have seven crucial practices that the Spirit uses to transform us into the likeness of of Christ. These are ways that we can train in godliness, as Paul tells Timothy, to train in, in godliness. How do we do that? Well, we do that through the habituation of these practices, getting them into our uh, nervous system and into our actions throughout the days. And what are those seven practices? <clears throat> those seven practices are scripture meditation, unceasing prayer, life together, unhurried presence, joyful generosity, compassionate gentleness, and faithful witness. 
And so today we're just going to dive right on in into our second practice of unceasing prayer. There's a lot of clarifying work that we have to do because there are loads of misconceptions about what prayer is. And here's how we're going to go about it today. It's pretty simple. It is the what, the why, and the how. Okay, the what, the why, and the how. What is unceasing prayer? Why can we practice unceasing prayer? And how? How can we practice unceasing prayer? We're going to talk about some of, some of the tools in order to do that. So let's get on into it. So what? What is unceasing prayer? How do we qualify that? How do we explain it? Unceasing prayer is talking with God first and most about everything. It's a deceptively simple, casual way of saying it. Unceasing prayer is talking with God first and most about everything. It is continual communion with God, continual communication with your creator, with the God of the universe. What a gift. We get to speak with this God of the universe, and he turns his ear to us, and he hears us. It's incredible. And it's important that we understand prayer in this way. When we do, suddenly praying without ceasing becomes life-giving rather than soul-sucking, right? If prayer, is not, if prayer is not just some formulaic way of going about communion with him, it's, it's not just some formulaic, rigid pray at a specific time, in a specific place, in a specific language, in a specific posture. Because if it's just those things, then unceasing prayer really quickly becomes a bondage to us. What we need to understand is that unceasing prayer isn't a call to quit your job. It's not a call to quit your family or to quit your friends or to quit everything else to live on your knees and hands with, with, with clasped hands and lips always moving. See, that's not the call. What is the call? Well, if prayer is talking to God first and most about everything, that means that every moment can be sacred. Every moment, every second of every hour can be sacred. That means every square inch of this world can be holy ground because no matter where we are, no matter what posture we're in, we can be communing with the God of all creation. Heaven and earth melt into each other wherever we are, whenever we are. But what does this look like? What does this look like? Well, It looks like when you wake up first thing in the morning and you feel like a zombie and your voice is hoarse and you roll over and you say, good morning, God. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of this day. Thank you that you are who you are. Thank you for the gifts that are ahead. You are good and your love endures forever. It means when you're brushing your teeth and the thoughts of the heavy to-do list are already pulling down on your shoulders and you're brushing your teeth there and you're saying, God, I'm already feeling the anxiety of the day. Would you grant me the grace to be present in the moment and to do the things that I can do? Lord, would you redeem the time that is before me? Or it looks like walking downstairs and and seeing your kids and giving them a word of blessing and thanking the Lord for them while you put the ego in the toaster or pour the cereal. It looks like a reflexive, oh, beautiful, when you drive along the highway and you see the hills carpeted and all, all the array of color because of the rains that have pulled the wildflowers out of the soil. 
it looks like asking him, oh, what is this? What is this feeling in my chest when I get this phone call and I see their name on the screen? Why does my chest tighten? Why, why do I feel nervous in my stomach? Lord, what, what is this that's happening right now? It looks like a simple, help me, when the ferocious cravings of addiction hijack your physiology. And you shake and you go, help me, help me. It looks like Father saying, Father, uh, forgive Sam. Help me forgive her. Help me forgive Samantha because I, I, I can't forget what she said and I have a meeting and I have to lead a Zoom call in five minutes and, and a, a key proposal depends on this and I can't focus. Help me to forgive because I can't do this on my own. I can't do it. Now, with that said, I want you to brace yourself because I'm about to do something that I never do in the pulpit and I just never, ever do. Um, and it's, it's this. I'm going to use an acronym. I'm so not an acronym guy. Like, you've never heard me use an acronym probably. I'm just not an acronym guy, but it's helpful. There's an acronym that you've probably heard when it comes to prayer. Right? ACTS, right? A-C-T-S. Have we heard this? ACTS. Adoration. What is it? Confession. Thanksgiving and supplication. It's, it's super helpful. Unceasing prayer is a continual conversation made up of acts. Okay, not an acronym guy, but like I said, it's helpful. Adoration, that's the, whoa, God, you are good. Look what you have done with this creation. Look what you've done with this terrible situation. You're redeeming, you're restoring, you're amazing. I bless you. Confession, Father, I've done it again. I've fallen on my face hard. I've hurt so-and-so. I've sinned against you. I've messed up. Forgive me. Thanksgiving. Father, thank you for my kids. Thank you for my friends. Thank you for my, my school. Supplication. Big fancy word for asking. Lord, grant me healing. Or grant me a moment of peace in this anxiety that's rattling within me. Or, or Lord, grant me help in this conversation that I'm going to have to have. Now, with that said, um, I'm going to actually lean further into the acronym thing here. I'm going to expand it. I'm going to change it, okay? So uh, let's say this. Let's say that unceasing prayer is done with a coat. Unceasing prayer is done with a coat. I get it totally cheesy. I don't care. <laughs> the point is to be helpful. And here's why I'm changing it. So let's look at it. A coat. A, adoration. Already talked about that. C, confession. There's another one that we need to add here, and that's called observation. And I'll explain that here in just a minute. Asking, who uses the word supplication on a daily basis? Nobody. So let's talk about asking. It's more helpful that way. And then thanksgiving. Okay. Observation. Do you realize that in your communion with somebody else, a friend, a family member, uh, observation takes up a ton of your conversation time. Um, you're walking with somebody and you're like, oh, whoa, did you see that? Check that out. Or you're talking with somebody after your long day and said, you know, I, I was feeling this thing or I was sensing this thing and then you share it with them. 
See, what we're doing when we observe something and then share it is, is we are sharing the deep part of who we are inside with somebody else. We're letting them into our life and we're communing with them. And it often comes out in the form of a, a question, be like, oh, wow, that's cool. Did you see that? Or have you heard the news? Or have you ever felt this way? It's an observation that, that turns into a moment of relation. So much of our dialogue and communion with other people happens in this form, but so often we don't see that as prayer. That's a huge, huge mistake. So observation is a huge part of prayer. So unceasing prayer is done with a coat. So put a coat on. I don't know. Cheesy. Go with it. But here's the deal. Do you know that he is the giver of good gifts? This God of ours. Matthew 7, 7 through 11, Jesus tells us, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, they receive. Everyone who seeks, they find. Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened to them. And then he says this, he says, or which one of you, if his son asks for bread, you'll give him a rock? Or if he, if he asks for a fish, you give him a serpent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? He is a good God. He gives good gifts. He is attentive to us. He is listening. Prayer matters. It affects things in this world. It changes us. It transforms us. And it grows our intimacy with our heavenly Father. He is a good dad who gives good gifts. Now, many of you know, uh, we have a son. Uh, his name's Silas. He's 10 years old. And, and we like to, to go on, on hikes. And, and so we live out in a far, far region way over there called Vasconia, which is on the far side of Livermore. And there's a hill over there called Brushy Peak. And we like to go on hikes there. And, and uh, it's so fun. It's just the, the conversation that happens as we are walking along the way together. I love his questions. I love his, his observations. You know, he'll say, Dad, did you, did you hike here when you were little? And I was like, no, bud. Remember, I lived in, I lived in Colorado, so I didn't, I didn't grow up around here. Or he'll say like, Dad, look, there's all these, there's all these fences, but I don't see any houses. And I'm like, yeah, those are, those are for the cows, so they don't come down to our house and eat our yard or hit 580 and become hamburger prematurely. That's why those, those fences are there. Or he loves loves birds. So if he sees a hawk, it's just like the world stops. Hawk, right? Just like everything stops. He loves, loves birds. Or sometimes it'll just be praise, right? It'll just be praise. Like, I love how green the hills are, Dad. Or the view. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing from up here. But then there's other times where it's his dependence that's showing forth. Dad, can we have some water? Dad, can we have a snack? Dad, can we go climb on that rock that looks way too dangerous? You know, those kinds of, of things. And, and then let's, let's be honest and real. Sometimes it's just frustration and confession. I want to go home. I'm not feeling it today. I'm too hot. I'm bored, etc. right? See, all of those questions, those asks, those observations, those praises, expressions of joy and wonder, they happen along the way, don't they? They happen along the way. They're not interruptions from the hike. 
They are how we are experiencing the hike. They are not interruptions in our fellowship. They are how we experience the fellowship. He doesn't like pull me aside, tug on my shirt and go, Dad, we need a meeting. And then like sit down in some kind of pose and go all King James on me <laughs> and go, thine hazeth a question for thee. Uh, and then say, can I have it the water if, you know, like, like he doesn't do those things. It happens along the way. Our communion happens unceasingly along the path. That is what a life of prayer is like. As we go through each and every day, as we are walking with God on the trails of this life that he has marked out for us to travel, he's with us, isn't he? He's with us. We don't have to call him down and do some kind of spectacular dance or verbal gymnastics like to pull him out of heaven to get him to go on a walk with us. He's with us and we get to talk with him and listen to him. And I should say this, that the practice is talking with God first and most about everything, not talking at God or talking to God. Because when you're talking with someone, there's cadence, there's rhythm, right? There's, there's back and forth, there's, there's call and response. You're paying attention while they're, they're talking, and then you're talking, and then they're paying attention. So there is this flow of relationship back and forth, call and response, listening and, and talking. And we are to listen to the still, small voice of God in our spirit, because the spirit lives within us. We are to listen to his word from a scripture, to listen to the spirit through our brothers and sisters who are in the church. So it says back and forth. One other thing I, I think we should say um, is that sometimes we make a, a, a mistake when it comes to prayer. So often we mistake a thought that we have for prayer with God. So often, we mistake a thought that we have for prayer with God. Do you know you can have a thought about God? That you can have a theological synapse or a synapse about the Bible, but not be communing with him because it's an abstract thing and you are not engaging another being. This happens all the time in, in my house. I, I, can, I have a world in my head, in my chest, and sometimes I don't communicate the things that are within me. So I'll be thinking about my wife, Marla. I'll be thinking about the kids or things to do around the house for the upcoming week. Um, and then my wife's really good at calling out. <laughs> so then she'll be like, hello, hello in there. Like, you do realize I can't hear the thoughts in your head and I can't see what's inside you. You didn't tell me that thing. And I was like, yeah, I totally told you that thing. She's like, you did not tell me that thing. And I'm like, I did not tell you that thing. I just thought it in my head. That, that's right. I'm not communing with her even though I'm having thoughts. So we can have theological thoughts all day long and not be communing with God because communing is a personal interaction with a personal being. Thinking about someone is not the same as talking with them. Having a thought is not the same as intimate communion with another. Now, prayer is communing with God. That is the what. And it's important that we know the why of unceasing prayer. So let's talk about the why. We can pray without ceasing because of what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has made a way. We can commune continually with our Creator, with our Savior, because of the work of Jesus. We can pray unceasingly because 
of the spirit of adoption. Beloved friends, this is so important. We got to get this into our bloodstream. We got to get this into our knowing and into our acting. Because of what Jesus has done, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, the sending the Spirit, because of what he has done, we are united to God. We are what, what Peter says in 2 Peter, we are partakers of the divine nature, which means our hearts are changed. We are made new. We're new creations. We are ushered into the family of God, adopted by God. We are the children of the living God. That's what it means to be a Christian, not just come follow some rules and try not to mess up out there. It means you are brought into a whole new family, new family tree, new essence, new branches that spread out into a new destiny with new kinds of fruit that never could have come out of you before, but now can because the Spirit of God lives within you or children of God. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We were once alienated from God. We were once these cosmic orphans living in exile from the presence of God ever since Adam and Eve were exiled from his presence in the garden. But the Son of God came to earth in flesh. Jesus, the, in the incarnation, God in the flesh, came and lived a glorious life a life of unfailing love and perfect obedience to the Father. He was always looking at the Father, and he said he only does what he sees the Father do. He was talking first and most to the Father about everything. He would get away whenever he could to go up on the hills and pray or, or find that secret place where he could commune with his Father. And then even in public, he was talking with his Father. It was continual. It was like breathing for Jesus so he lives this flawless life and then he's crucified by a sinful humanity and he goes into the grave and he rises again, conquers sin, he conquers Satan and, and he conquers death as our true high priest, the mediator, as the one who is the sacrifice, the one who covers our sin and he opens up the way to the presence of God. He tears the veil that is between, between humanity and God. Quite literally, the veil, the temple, right? Rips from the what? Yeah, right? Ugh, do it. From the top, to the bottom. It is ripped open when he dies on the cross because he's covered our sins, paved the way. He's our priest and he opens up the throne room of God. You want to be seen? You want to be known by the ultimate lover, the beautiful one? In Christ, you are before the face of God. You get to live before the face of God. And we go into that throne room, not as some subject of some king that we're hoping doesn't kick us out, but as the kid, as the kid of that one, the child of that king. Listen to the, the heart-filling logic of the scriptures here. Romans 8, 15. Paul says this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. No way. But you have received the Spirit of of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, this is an Aramaic word. This is, this is one of the first sounds, a soft palate of a child without teeth. One of the first sounds they can make, Abba, Abba. I, one, of, one of our kids, uh, her name's Olivia. She is uh, all, like 
this six-year-old frame, almost six-year-old frame of lightning and energy and just sweetness and affection. And I'll be upstairs across the house. She'll be downstairs or even outside. And then I'll just hear, Dada! Dada! Daddy, 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 daddy. I'm just like, what is happening? And then she'll either come to me or I'll go to her and I'll be like, what? And she'll be like, I love you. Okay, bye. Or, or she'll be like, can I have a snack? Because she eats every two minutes. Just non-stop. Or she'll be like, daddy, I drew this. Dad. She just comes to me. She knows that I, I have her attention. She knows she has my ear. She knows she can come to me for anything and everything. And she does. I'll be talking with Marla. Dad, 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 dad. I'm like, I'm talking. I'm on the phone. Dad, sorry, it's my daughter. Like, she comes. She just comes. Guys, that's us. That is us. Dad. Dad, look what I drew. Dad, Abba, you have to help me because this grief is breaking my back. Abba, Daddy, I could use a word of encouragement right now. Daddy. Friends, that's us. That is the relationship we have. That is prayer. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God, and so we are. John is emphatic, and so we are. It's not just that we should be called it, it's that you are it. You are a child who can say, Abba, and he goes, huh? I hear you. You are a beloved child of God in whom he delights if you are in Jesus Christ. That is good news. You are his precious child, not some annoyance, not some unknown subject who can barely get an audience with the king and and isn't sure if he loves you or not. You're his kid. The love of God took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, and that love poured itself out unto death and rose again to fill us with that divine love. The cross of Christ is the lavish love of God on full display. Man, you need to get that identity into your bones. We need to get that into our our bloodstream. This is one of my identity statements that I rehearse every day in, in the morning. Father, you are my father. I am your son. You love me. I love you. Lord Jesus, you are my savior. Holy Spirit, you dwell in me. I am a partaker of the divine nature. I am a child of God in whom you delight. Thank you, Jesus. You get that kind of identity within you, the critiques, the complaints, the anger, the things that come at you, the opinions of men, it can start to melt off you, fall off your back because you know who you are and you know whose you are. The fire arrows of the dark one, the accusations of Satan will bounce off you like a Nerf dart rather than pierce you through. This is why the author of Hebrews 4.16 says the following, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. With confidence we can come in. Jesus opened the way. We have familial authority, family-based authority. All access pass 
to the good, the beautiful, and the true one. That's incredible. Now, I want to show you an incredible image here. Uh, I've showed you this picture before. If you've been with us for a few years, you've seen it. Uh, my, my stuff's limited. He's infinite. I'm limited. But this picture, it just moves me, and I, I pray it helps you. So here's a picture. Help me out. Who is this? Who's that sitting up there? That's JFK, right? Who's down below? Who's the little one? Yeah, it's JFK Jr., right? JFK Jr. Now, now this, is, this is fantastic. What an image! What an image. This is the center of power. Some would say for the whole known world, this is the Oval Office. And there is this child playing right at the feet of this ruler over, over the realms of power. This, by the way, is called the Resolute Desk. Fantastic, fun side note. This was a gift from Queen Victoria to President Hayes in 1880. It comes from a ship. How epic is this? A boat called the, the HMS Resolute, which was stuck in the Arctic for a while. Well, they eventually pulled that thing apart, and she made it a gift. This is 1,300 pounds of seaworthy oak. It's like a throne, man. It's incredible. And there's this kid playing there by the feet of the ruler. Now, come on, who else can do this? Who has access? The son has access. The child has access. I guarantee you, if I were to try this, like I'm not getting through that door. The Secret Service is going to have me on the ground before I can ever even touch the desk. Ah, the son, the child, the daughter of the king. There's access there and we have access to the throne room of God and we have something way better than an oval office and a resolute desk that has a really cool history. We have access to the full inheritance of the goodness of God through Christ because of his blood. It doesn't get any better. The news can't get any gooder. It can't. It's not possible. So beloved, let us come boldly to a good God who gives good gifts. Now, we need to talk about the how, some tools here. This will be brief, but I pray it will be helpful. Some tools and some helps. Unceasing prayer is composed of two key things. One, ongoing dialogue, which we talked about, but also planned times, specified, specially set aside times. Every event and circumstance is a potential portal to communion with the God of all creation. There's an ad hoc, unplanned, ongoing, running dialogue all day long. It's awesome. It's awesome. But that doesn't mean you don't set aside special times for it, right? There are certain frameworks also that can help us. I mean, think about it. Given the speed of life and the massive, that massive corporations spend billions Billions of dollars year to year to attract and to addict your attention to their products in the attention economy that's out there. We have to be vigilant. We have to be vigilant to build special times of prayer into our schedule as counterformative measures. You set aside time to go work out at the gym. Maybe not all of us, but some of us do. You set aside time, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then you set aside what you're going to do. It's leg day, it's back day, it's chest day. Why do you do that? Because you know by setting those appointment, it is, appointments, it's going to be good for you. You are going to train, and we need to train in godliness. My wife and I, we, we talk 
all day? Does that mean we shouldn't set aside a date night and go over uh, to an awesome restaurant and have a long, lingering dinner looking into each other's hearts and processing things? Of course we should. If we want a healthy marriage. The kids and I, we, we talk all day. Does that mean we shouldn't have a, a, a daddy-daughter date or a daddy-son date where I'm giving them alone my attention and we're seeing into each other's hearts? Of course we should. Plan on talking with God all day long. Plan on talking with God at special times. And I want to recommend here a few special times. Before I say this, this is not some weird new legalism. Please understand this. This is not some burden. This is a way to enter into blessing. This is something Christians have done for thousands of years. Christians have done this since the time of Christ. And it's simply this. Morning, midday, and evening prayer. Set aside those times. Morning, wake up. First thing, give him thanks, gratitude. Start your day off with gratitude. Start your day off by responding to his initiation to you. He's given you so much. Start by responding in gratitude. And look, maybe for you this is five minutes, maybe it's 15, 20, 30, an hour. But go from gratitude to spending time in his word, opening up the scriptures, going through some psalms, slowly reading, meditating on those. Or go through a Bible reading plan. And then... Let's, let's call it consecration. Consecrate your day to him. Say, Lord, this, this is your world. This is your day. I'm yours. Lord, may, may this day be a day where I participate in the building of your kingdom. Use me for the good of others and your glory. I consecrate this day in my life to you. And then go out into your day like on mission. Midday, lunch. Maybe you can only get five minutes to do this. Maybe it's 15. Maybe it's more. But, but open up the word. Listen to the voice of God that is counter all the other voices you were hearing all day long that were pushing on you. Listen to his voice. Get recalibrated. Get, get new perspective. Respond to that in an appropriate way. Adoration, confession, observation, etc. And then go about your day now with a renewed perspective. At night, take some time and do what's called the prayer of examine and do some more scripture reading. Let me explain what that is. Examine, uh, real briefly here. This is an ancient way of, of praying, um, and it's just simply this. It's at night, you're going to take a few moments to first attune, to, to say, Lord, you're with me. You are here. You are listening. So get in a, a place where you feel comfortable, where you, where you can get in this, this space of acknowledging his presence, and then ask for insight into your day and how God was at work in your day and what, what he was doing and what, what happened. Pray, ask for that insight. Then third, review the day. Play, like a movie playing in your head. Got up, did this, did this. I experienced that. I felt this. Go through the day and see how he leads you through that remembering process. And then respond. There's, and respond with a coat, okay? Adoration. Confession, ob- observation, thank him for the things that happened. And then prepare. Consider tomorrow, seek his counsel, walk through the day ahead of you that you know. I mean, because there's, there's a lot you don't know, but prepare and ask the Lord to lead you through the next day. Finish your night off with some scripture, repeat some scripture in your head, and go to bed and sleep really, really well. Now, um, Anybody here ever feel like you've never had a clue what to pray and your mind's blank? Thank you, honest person, and the rest of us are there too. Uh, at least I am. 
Uh, sometimes we need a pump primer. We need a spark to light the fire. A couple other suggestions here. Uh, pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Jesus taught us how to pray. Use it as a framework or use it verbatim. Okay? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You can say it verbatim, move on. Or you can say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Help me to understand what it means you are holy. Teach me, lead me, guide me. Boom. Springboard into it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, your will be done in the hardest of home because it's chaos right now. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. So on and on, right? On and on. Pray through it. Use it as a springboard into further prayer. Next, pray scripture. Prayer is always a response. It is always us responding to God's yes that came to us. It's our yes to his yes. So we respond. So use scripture to speak his word back to him. So let me do it with uh, 1 Thessalonians really briefly. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. So read it and then pray it. Lord, (laughs) would you help me to rejoice always because I'm good at grumbling always. Help me to rejoice always. You are worthy of praise. Help me to pray without ceasing. Turn my attentions to you over. And just pray it. Pray it back. He's given us the start. Let's just enter into it. Like a dry match to tinder. Suddenly, prayer lights up, heats up. Now let's go a little more specific. Pray God's promises. Paul did this all the time. He starts out praying promises. Like, God, don't forget what you promised. So I just picked a random verse. So let's do it with this. Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. These are God's promises. Lord, you said you would instruct me. Instruct me. Lord, you said you would teach me. Teach me in the way I should go. Would you counsel me? Would you keep your loving eye on me, would you be the overseer of my life? Would your gaze be the gaze that is most important to me, not the attentions of men and women? Whatever. Now you're into it. You're praying his promises. And then lastly, and then we'll, we'll draw to a close here, breath prayer. This is really important. What is breath prayer? Don't be scared of it. Don't think it's just some weird Eastern thing. This is beautiful. A short prayer linked with the rhythm of breathing. Christians have done this from the earliest of days. It's just acknowledging our body and acknowledging how we can best memorize things and get things into our system. It's breathing in, breathing out, and and speaking God's word, praying unto him, right? It's getting the body to calm down using the parasympathetic nervous system to like stop fight or flight, breathe deeply, and then pray. Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. And man, when your world is spinning and the chaos is hitting, just stop. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Lord Jesus, Heavenly Father, your will be done. When I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you Lord Jesus Christ Son of God have mercy on me a sinner you think you can't memorize scripture link it to breathing in breathing out in short chunks you can create a reservoir of scripture that will pour forth 
from you, even under pressure. Just open up the, open up the word. Find these sh- small phrases. Turn them into prayers. Repeat them over and over and over again, and they will flow out of you. And this will transform your inner landscape, and it'll transform your life. The word of God changes us. So open up scripture and create a reservoir of these short prayers. So pray as often as you breathe. And when you breathe, pray. Beloved, we are called to be a people of unceasing prayer. God has lavished his love on us, called us his children, and we are. And so with joy and confidence, we can come into his presence. We can delight. We can delight in communion. Doesn't that just do something to your heart when you see that? The children dancing with joy in the presence of the Father who is giving them his loving attention. That is the smallest snapshot, the smallest glimpse, the tiniest taste of the joy that is ours in Christ Jesus. May prayer draw you further into this joy of being in his presence and knowing his love is lavished on you. For look, what kind of love the Father has lavished on us. We are his children. Father, you are good to us. You are so good to us. We love you. We need you. Spirit, would you take the things that we've talked about and would you take them deep into our hearts that we would live from them. Thank you, Lord, that you listen to us. We love you, Lord, and as we approach this table, we pray that you would be honored, and it is in the name of Jesus Christ, our King, that we pray. Amen. Amen.